a playlist original. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Botbuster with your hosts, Gaius and Jackson. Except this week, it's not just us two. We are joined with someone else from the other side of Back to the Botbuster, someone that started this little podcast with me. And even though he's not on the weekly show every week, you can still hear him every other week on our Deep Dive spinoff. Welcome, Owen Erickson. Let's go, guys. It's, uh, it's good to be guys. back. Yeah, Jackson, it's great to finally be on an episode with you, man. It's funny, I don't get to say it's Gaius's or my pick this week. So this week, <laughs> I'm just kind of tuning in to uh, to discuss. I feel like I'm the the third wheel now, so uh, but, but it feels good. I'm really excited to be here today and uh, to discuss some of the awesome stuff that uh, we're going to talk about. One of my favorite franchises, so can't wait to get rolling. It's good to be here. Yeah, the feeling is mutual, buddy. Yeah, so this one's this one's interesting because like Jackson joined, I think January, and you officially yep. joined early uh, January, and, and that's all. Feel like I mean, I guess we've been having a lot of fun, so time has kind of flown <laughs> since you joined. Yeah, I know so, the feeling. <laughs> exactly. It goes by, goes goes by really fast. But then, like, I would have separate discussions with you guys offline that are just very similar. Like, oh, I can't wait to record with them. I would like to record with them. Or like, oh, when am I going to be able to record with them? And I was like, oh yeah, we're we're gonna be like at a hundred episodes soon. And then Jackson was like, well, I would like to do one before that. And Owen was basically yeah, like, I would like to do one before too. that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I said it in the episode. I was like, I'm not waiting 27 weeks, 23 <laughs> weeks to, to get on. This needs to happen now. Yeah. So, totally. I mean, I'm glad that it finally did. And we found a good one to kind of do it on because uh, we're going to be talking about the John Wick franchise and just like its influence on uh, other action films since this franchise started. It's, favorite of Owens. He loves, 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 loves this okay. franchise. So when we were trying to figure out which one he should be on, because he had wanted to be on one that we recorded like a few weeks ago. And he was like, whatever you guys are talking about, just let me know. But we were like cramming so much into uh, that particular episode and stuff. I was like, well, let's figure out like which ones we can do. And I can't take credit for this topic. This was all Jackson. Uh, but when I saw it on the, when I saw it on the list, though, I was like, oh, wait, that's a perfect one for Owen to be a part of because like it's a I no think, brainer. I think more than me, he probably could talk about this franchise. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably more than anyone I know really. So oh, awesome. Uh, so this is a good one to jump in on. And yeah, I'm excited that we are finally all three doing doing this together because you know we've always post on social media like this is a team and I've had people like message me like well when are you guys gonna do one together? <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, <laughs> well also it's coming. It's too, coming. Like, even even your recent <laughs> social media posts where it's like you're in the middle and then it's Jackson and me side by side. It was yeah. like, wait, we need to get that on like a freeze frame when we're actually all talking together. We need to post one of these these videos. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, it's that's surreal. Good, that's a good suggestion, actually. So I can it finally is. be like, yeah, we all did this like together. It's surreal having like heard Owen's voice so many times over like a few months, been a listener and on the podcast and now to be interacting and like talking about collaborating on an episode together. It's like, holy shit, it's finally here. It's so crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. It's good. And uh, same, same goes to you. I mean, I've been listening to uh, the, the regular show every week and it's nice. It's just progressively gotten better. And <clears throat> Gavis was kind of saying too, and, and I completely agree with him is that you guys just kind of hit your stride pretty much right away. And for, for you guys to do that, to me, I mean, it's just very impressive for the chemistry to start working. And I, I appreciate all the sort of like the quote unquote homework that you guys kind of do that goes into all totally, the episode. Man. And like, I, I respect that a lot. And so you guys have uh, started to create a seamless show and 
it's just going to keep getting better. That's all I know. That's yeah. awesome to hear, man. We love the support. This is the shit that we love to do, all three of us, right? So it's it honestly just comes naturally. Like I spend, like I've told Gaius many times, on and offline, like this is just how I spend my time anyway. So like super humbled and grateful to be able to share this this medium with you guys and to the listeners and just talk about the stuff that I am passionate about too. And it's great to do it with a great couple of guys. So thank you very much for embracing me onto the team, both of you. Hey. It was very easy. I mean, I got a, I got a message from my buddy David, who I went to middle school with. And like, I always like talk film and stuff with him, like other than like Owen. And he was just saying that like the episodes the last like two months and he was like referencing both shows. He was like, they just feel like so focused. And like, you can tell that you guys have like a really good rhythm. And I think that's just a product of like being able to create both of the shows because they're both so different. But, you know, everyone brings, like, you know, it's a lot to do the industry stuff week to week. And, like, Owen knows he was a part of it for a little bit when it was week to week. <laughs> for a year, man. Uh, I was for like, a year. Yeah. No, it's I feel a, you, dude. It's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of note-taking and trying to keep up with what's going on. But I, like I said before, I'm glad that we figured out a way to, like, have both shows. Like, have this one and then have the Deep Dive spinoff because they've actually, I feel like they've been working well together and growing yeah. pretty well together. I got to shout out Good Pods because... Oh, yeah, we're still trying to get back to number one on the film review chart. We ranked number four again when I checked it today. Right. And this is yeah, our it, week, guys. This is I the know, week. Right? Yeah, this could be it. This and is it. And there's nothing wrong with being in the top five. There's a ton of shows on, like, independent podcasts on, on there. That's and, impressive as hell. But, yeah, I mean, it always coincides with, like, hey, we have, like, the deep dive one, and then there's a spike, and then, like, our regular show comes out, and there's a spike. So I appreciate everyone listening to all platforms, but that one's especially you know, a good one because it is a bunch of like independent shows, like really supporting each other and like listening to each other and sharing our episodes with people. I get to tell you guys both this. I actually told Owen a little bit about this, but we, I actually have a virtual meeting with someone at Good Pods tomorrow to talk about how to further uh, promote the podcast on their uh, oh, awesome. platform. So that should be, that should be a pretty good conversation. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I can't been. wait to hear how that goes. So yeah, it'll be good. But yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, it's kind of surreal that we're finally all doing this together because <laughs> it felt like a, like, you know, it's, it's weird to think of them. Like, I remember when we were doing the spinoff stuff and I was like emailing playlists and I was like, all right, we need like a different intro. We need a different this for like, for it to be for it. So it's different from like the main show. But then I was like, well, I still want us to be like cohesive kind of team right. where it's not like, I'm, it's not like I'm like, yeah, not like it's like, oh, this is like me and Owen doing this and then me and Jackson doing that. It's all kind of it's all together. I like one doesn't work without the other now at this point, I think. Exactly. So uh, yeah. so I've been trying to trying to drive that home, which is why, you know, I told you guys, like, send me like the new intro videos and stuff. And like, we're going to cut some more stuff together. So it looks like we're more of like a cohesive unit as well. But I definitely feel it. I definitely feel how good things have been as far as like the content, like from both shows. And that's a testament to the just both of you guys. So appreciate it. Thank you so much. Of course, man. Yeah. And I feel like I like to say I've had an uncanny ability for my picks for the deep dive that I pick something that happens to be trending that week. It's trending that week. <laughs> I don't know if it's that, but I, I think when I picked Killing Them Softly, it was like the director was trending oh, because of Blonde. Yeah, yeah, that was a sick pick. I picked Prisoners. It had just dropped on Netflix and that was trending at the time. So we'll see if I can keep that uh, momentum rolling. I'm just like yeah. rolling in it. When he picked Tucker and Dale, it was like took off on good pods. And I think it's just because that movie is just 
little Love. hidden gem. But a lot yeah. of people like it. Uh, you know what? It's a, it's a friendly competition. Like I haven't had any. any <laughs> that dynamic is honestly <laughs> sick, though. I, like trended. I haven't had any movies. The last that. episode was so fun. Just talking about Mr. Brooks and. Oh yeah. Like, it was just great to have a discussion about because Gase and I agree like pretty much most of the time so to have right. one where like he picked a movie where he's like dude i'm pretty sure you're gonna like this as soon as i finished <laughs> it i was just like oh gosh this was this was a train wreck in my mind and so I've, texted, just... I've told <laughs> i've told gaius before so oh, that movie. that's all he texts me <laughs> it's like god damn it <laughs> that's kind of ambiguous until you get down to the finer details but now as much as because we agree on a lot of things too, but like I love when we like don't see eye to eye on something and to get the other person's perspective as to why. I honestly just mm -hmm. think it's really engaging, and so that's awesome because yeah. you guys are pretty much on par. Yeah, yeah I've told him that too. It can't be. It can always be harmonious and like exactly because like, then uh... <laughs> that's right. Sometimes you just gotta like point out other things. But yeah, that, that's how I'm planning on getting to my work day tomorrow is by listening to your latest episode in the morning. So I'm oh, it's a good one, man. That's you know, I forgot what listener sent me this message, but they were basically like, it's it was funny listening to that episode because they were like, I felt like you gradually started to maybe change your mind that the movie wasn't good. <laughs> like that's where he was like, you were just like, Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. And I was like, whatever. Right. So a few people did support uh some of the, I have one more poll to put up for that episode, which is gonna like who did you overall okay. agree with, whether it's like yeah. maybe, oh nice. Uh, the Dean, the Dane Cook one that we put up was like split almost down the middle, and okay, I was I was surprised that that I thought it was going to go more your way than mine, but it was kind of like in the middle that like some people thought he was because decent. there's an overall sort of hatred for Dane Cook, I think. Yeah, yeah, like, I think it's he's massively disliked. Then, but it's a universal. I think a lot of people just don't like him. But uh, that that's that's actually very intriguing. The fact that I mean, it was pretty much split down the middle. I I can't say yeah. that I would have expected that. Yeah, and I'm glad I was able to post the van toss today. That was I've been waiting to use that yes. one because <laughs> that was that was pretty fun. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, both shows have been like I gotten better and better, and uh, and that's just like solid chemistry. With of course, like Owen's one of my best friends, but like I told Owen, I was like that could have been risky, like picking you and not knowing you at all, <laughs> like a total Big like time, a total, man. total stranger. Like uh, I hope this works out. Uh, and there were other people that I think I could have gone with, but like it just all these things kind of worked with you, and that was, and I'm glad that I made that choice. So I yeah, nice. well I appreciate it because I consider myself very lucky that I that you reached out when you did, and that I you know been commenting when I did, and that this all came together because like this is something I very much look forward to every week. Yep. So yeah, happy. All right. Love that it. Being said, we got some news <laughs> to cover, boys. Let's yeah, do it. Some news. I guess one of the first big things is that Quentin Tarantino is finally going to uh, direct his 10th film. He had been talking about for a long time that 10 was going to be the number that he would stop on. A part of me thought that that would be the case, that he would change his mind. It's full of shit. I thought so too, I guess. And we don't know exactly yeah. who it's going to be about, but the script for his alleged final film is called The Movie Critic, and he's set to direct a project this fall. Actual details are being kept under wraps, but the Hollywood Reporter says the story is set in the late 1970s Los Angeles with a female lead at its center. The trade also believes that the film could be about Pauline Cahill, one of the most influential movie critics of all time. Uh, she passed away in 2001 but, and was not only a movie critic, but also an essayist and novelist. They think that's who uh, that the movie could be about. 
you know, he, he, he was very fond of. I he was very fond of, yeah. yeah. He was very fond. And I, you know, he has long said that he was going to direct 10 films, or retire by the time he was 60. And, and Kill Bill counts as one, technically. Kill Bill, yeah, That's Kill right. Bill does count as one, yeah. And he turns 60 later this month, so the timing kind of lines up. You know, I guess my question to both of you guys, I, you know, of course he started out as a writer and, you know, he didn't direct True Romance, but he wrote that. He actually mm. wrote an initial draft of Natural Born Killers before Oliver Stone, like, kind of did a lot of changes on that. He I still feel has like a writing this... credit on it, doesn't he? Yeah, he still has a writing credit on it. Yeah. And depending on, depending on the year, he goes back and forth on whether or not he appreciates that movie or if he... <laughs> or if he thinks so... You know, I, after he's done with this, do you think that he'll continue to write stuff even though he won't be on board as the director? Like, you think he has, like, the... Will his ego allow, like, other people to direct his work at this point Ooh. in at his career? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think that... Go first. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that he has he's so ingrained in the cinema culture that it's going to be almost impossible for him to step away. I mean, I think that he's had a little bit of this egotistical I'm only going to direct 10 movies and that's it. So he's had the ability to kind of stay away and he's had the fame that once he does get into the spotlight, I mean, it's he gets to choose the pick of the litter right. when the the actors come rushing to him. So, I think that like he, he's definitely going to get a little bit antsy once he's done with this. But yeah. in that same article, Gase, that you were mentioning, he did say that as directors get older, their movies start to decline. So I think maybe he might second guess his own, or he thinks he's going to start second guessing his own creati- creative ability maybe. But yeah, I, I think that he's going to have a lot of influence on certain movies where executive producing credits and just like you're totally like, right yeah just like helping out with stories and it's like oh this was like you're gonna the second that he's part of a movie where it's like oh quentin tarantino helped write this he's a part of this people are gonna jump yeah. on it and go see it in a heartbeat yeah i agree with that yeah what about you, i agree he's a total to reference a movie you just reference he, he's a natural born writer like he is an artist and i don't think that uh, even if he stops directing that he would completely take himself out of the industry I think there's even talks of him saying he'd be on board to continue writing like theatrical plays and books as well, which he novelized yeah. once upon a time once in Hollywood. Hollywood. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised. It's, I mean, he's going to get bored in, re- in retirement, no doubt. So that would be he's a good got a lot of energy. He does got a lot of energy. He's got yeah. a lot of ideas. He's an original Quint- storyteller. When Tarantino interviews are for me to watch sometimes, because he's just so, I guess neurotic might be the best way to yeah, describe him in interviews that's, that's a great I mean, way to put he them. also has like human encyclopedia like filmmaking and films in his head i mean i you can't contain i, I mean i can't contain that at all and no, i'm no. glad you mentioned what he said about how directors work kind of declines like the older they get right and like like this is not maybe the best example but there's someone like there's people like woody allen who like in the 90s 2000s like directed a ton of movies and you have to like dig through that pile to find like some good ones because sometimes there's some stinkers in there because he just kept making movies like every year and i guess you do kind of lose a bit of your credibility when a lot of your you know best work is like behind you and you're still kind of uh you know attempting to kind of maintain that glory a bit and so i can respect him wanting to like tap out at 10 if he feels like that's all he has in them i mean he's one of the rare directors we talked about this i i don't think he's directed a bad movie not even a subpar yeah, movie maybe so <laughs> yeah. let me 
I mean, so he's I taken think... he's taken the the trope of quality versus quantity to a yeah. T, and and he's taken that and basically stuck to it. And I, I respect what you're saying. Yeah, he embodies it, and I think that he's really taken that. And it's it's very hard for someone in that industry not to be swayed by outside perspectives but he's basically right. said from the get-go i'm gonna do 10 that's it and he's stuck with it so i respect him for that but at the same time just like we were talking about gaius like stephen king has put out quantity over quality and we had said there's a lot of stinkers in there sometimes <laughs> firestarter <laughs> where, <laughs> where it's like they're not all the time is it going to be necessarily something that everyone's going to flock to but everything that he's done he's just such a fantastical like fantastic storyteller that yeah. He's had the ability to take some mundane ideas, like even something like Reservoir Dogs, which is like just a moment in time in a, a robbery <laughs> that he just draws out. And the dialogue that he that he brings to the table is just unquestionable compared to pretty much anything out there that I've seen. And that's yeah. his debut, which just melts my mind to think about. I know. It's such a strong debut for a filmmaker. And I mean, he's still yeah. one of his best. What I will miss, though, when he stops making movies is... I love Quentin Tarantino dialogue. I mean, I've, oh, I've, I, I think I think I've talked it. about I talked about it on both shows where like when you go to film school, they constantly tell you like don't make your scripts like dialogue heavy. You have to like move the action along, move the action along. And there's people like him that did not you know follow that at all, like because he's a very wordy dude and like all of his stuff. But like when you write that way, I mean, write as well as he does, you can actually have like dialogue heavy movies, and people are gonna like and they're the highlight. <laughs> Of the highlight of the movie, yeah. They're going to hold on to yeah. every single word that he puts out there. So that's what I'll well, miss what the most I, when he's done. What I feel, feel bad for, though, is like he's been able to bring out the best in almost every actor that he has worked with. Yeah. But the way that they wrote about it in this this article, they say he led Christoph Waltz to two Oscars. Samuel Samuel L. Jackson made many appearances. Like, right. <laughs> basically, didn't even say that like he's had such a great contribution. Career. He actually hasn't been nominated, but his career has kind of been made it's by so something. crazy. Yeah, like it just I just felt like he kind of got thrown under the bus there. Samuel L. was like, damn, he's Man. he's really made a name for himself in these movies, but he just hasn't really gotten that critical attention. Which is a shame. Hopefully he yeah. gets <laughs> cast in the movie critic and maybe get some love. Yeah. I think the problem I think the problem with Samuel L. Jackson though is at a certain point, like I like him a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. But I think at a certain point he he's become like a caricature of himself. Yeah. You know, foul, yeah, foul, fair enough. foul mouth, like, you know, always cursing and like doing the Samuel L. Jackson thing. I respect his hustle because they I think he is considered like as far as like box the amount of movies he's been in, like one of the biggest actors in terms of like box office because he's been a part of all these like franchises and stuff so i mean one of the highest grossing like one of the actors with the most highest grossing filmographies like of all time and honestly he has made comments that like he rather do these marvel movies than chase as he said a motherfucking oscar so like good for him (laughs) like for like owning it does Um, he have a lifetime achievement oscar i don't think so no i think he uh okay at at this point i don't know if he needs one. one But like he'll probably get that before anything. Also, Tarantino's movie doesn't have a studio yet, so anyone that any, I'm sure these studios are gonna be like imagine like trying to get like his last movie. Um, Oh yeah, he had a good. I mean, he had a good time with Sony Pictures. They released Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that made like 377 million dollars worldwide. So he could want to stay with them, but yeah, any studio that's like looking to like release his final film is probably like this is gonna be. 
huge, even no matter what the subject matter is. Like people are just. Do you think that it's just gonna sweep like Oscars and Golden Globes because it's kind of like his like send off and like his. Yeah, I mean, last film because I mean, you know how like Lord of the Rings. I know that was a franchise, but didn't really get much, and then Return of the King got and Oscars. Like, do you think it's gonna be something like that? Like in terms of what Peter Jackson did. I can see that. I mean, I mean, I uh, uh, at least Tarantino has won before, but I can see them being because the, I mean, we talked about this last week about the Oscars because we were saying like how we don't like career Oscars, like where it's like, oh, yeah. like Jamie Lee less, Curtis. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly. Couldn't it's vote less, that way. It's less about the project and more Will about Smith. like, well, they've been in the industry for like this long, like we should give them one. I mean, if it's a really good movie, more power to them. Like sweep. If it's really good, I hope that's the case, but. I would hope they would just do it because it's his final, like his last hurrah. Like, I think if, yeah, if he gets any Oscars, like for the, the movie critic, they will be deserved. I don't know that he would even need to be handed any. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. he will just genuinely earn them. But I'm excited to see. It feels like so far away from it, but I bet you we're only probably a couple of years if he's going to begin filming in fall. So, I mean, you have the might... Hateful Eight poster behind yeah, you. Too. I was, thank you for shutting that <laughs> That's one of my favorite Tarantino. I know my favorites, man. I think that one gets a lot of hate. Hateful Eight, sorry, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's one of my favorite. Like, the way that that movie is laid out in terms of, like, Act One, Act Two, Act Three is unbelievable. And then, even just the little it's a masterpiece. It's not a concern, too. I was going to ask you guys what is your favorite Tarantino movie, but I think. I was hoping you would. Well, wouldn't. that's one. <laughs> I was like, is that, is that too much of a curveball to think? Uh, <laughs> I just, Pulp Fiction's so good, but like Reservoir Dogs is probably my favorite overall. And then like, give me Kill Bill. Okay. I love, I love Kill Bill. So like, I love Jackie Brown, but I know I'm in the minority on Jackie Brown. I like um, De Niro and Jackie Brown. I like but, Jackie yeah. Brown. It is my least favorite Tarantino though. Uh, that's not then, saying anything. Yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah, I mean, and then our friend, our friend Kat told me that our friend Evan showed her Pulp Fiction, and I was like, and that was like her first foray into like Tarantino stuff, and I was like, I wish on, on paper that feels like the right movie to start with, but then it's so not like some of his other stuff that's like so untraditional. She, she, didn't, that... she didn't love it. She was like, oh, yeah. I didn't really like it. I was like, I like that's a hard one to like lead with. I think I know, I know, I, I understood. It's a hard one to like start off with. I think as your first one. Especially if it's been like her point of her life, years like she hasn't watched one of these. Like it's a tough sell if you're not like really uh, if you don't really know about it or like know what you're getting into before you watch it. I do um, love Pulp Fiction, but I think that it's so like there's a lot of people that are out there that just go, "Oh, Pulp Fiction's the best movie ever." Why? It's a it's a total because film, good, and easy they don't pick. It's an easy pick, but they don't but really appreciate it for maybe the reason that they should. And they just kind of think that it's supposedly supposed to be a great movie. You're uh, so right. Yeah. It's a, I, I think like the reason that I like it is for many of the different reasons, like in terms of like the scene, how they bring in the beginning and then the diner scene at the end. And the nonlinear storytelling. Oh, exactly. Is exactly. amazing in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's I lots mean, of love. Yeah. I just, it was just funny watching Jackson like soul die. And we're like, yeah, she didn't like it that much. We're like, oh, uh, like <laughs> melted. It was like, what thoughts are like? I get it, it's subjective, but like, oh, still. I, I do love Kill Bill as well. I mean, like, and it's so funny too, because like, it's strange to think that Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2 are supposed to be like one movie because they feel so different from each other. Like, yeah. they're so like, different. <laughs> they're like, I couldn't imagine that being one film. It's like, are you sure it was always supposed to be one movie? But 
apparently it was but they feel like tonally different they don't even feel like the same thing at all but i do mm-hmm, love them no. both i mean you can't go wrong with him i think i mean he i mean i don't like i don't love I me mean, i like the hateful eight i don't like i don't think it's a masterpiece on the level that like jackson I maybe you do it. But yeah. like I still think like even the stuff I'm like eh with him about it's not even like a strong eh I think it's like it's still solid work and uh, exactly bottom yeah. tier Tarantino is still miles above some of the most people most people most people exactly most directors <laughs> yeah. working like honestly I mean, we haven't even talked about Django or Inglorious Bastards or Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> those are two incredible movies those are the favorites of a lot of people like he one of and, my you know, favorite movies. Yeah, once upon a time in Hollywood. I know that some people are. I mean, I loved it when I first saw it. I think other people in like not my know, favorite. Some yeah, people yeah, I know, are hitting this. I know. And I saw that when I, I saw that movie at a very late night showing. It was really. And it's such a long movie, but I that was one's all too in. long for me. That one is too <laughs> yeah. long. It was not long enough for me. I don't know. Too long. I, I was Give watching more of those characters within a movie. I need I needed more like I was right. watching like a second movie with while I was in the theater I was like come on let's move it if, if it hadn't gone as bonkers as it did in those last few moments I think it would have lost a lot of people but even people in the theater when I went to go see it like opening night who were like oh like fading as soon mm-hmm. as it took that hard right <laughs> into like oh this isn't going to be exactly what happened with Sharon Tate <laughs> on that night that yeah. she was murdered we're going to change that completely and just go off the wall I mean I it was worth it. it. I thought that, that I thought payoff that payoff was worth it for me, even though it is a very long movie. Though I can't agree with that. It is, yeah, yeah, it is on the longer side. But I honestly, I rewatched that as recently as it was like July or August. I was in an airport, was stuck in a layover, and I had my laptop with me through on Netflix, and I was browsing for like thirty seconds, and I scrolled past that. I was like, yeah, time for another rewatch of this. I found it flew by. I don't know what it is, but I do eat that movie right up. But. Yeah. Yeah, it was the awesome. airport. The airport will make it. <laughs> That's a great point. That's strange. I honestly, it's just like such a cop out answer. I don't know that I could produce a singular favorite Tarantino movie. I feel like I want to mention this isn't saying this is my favorite, but I don't feel Death Proof gets nearly the love that it deserves. Death Proof. I fucking love Death Proof. I rewatched it a few months ago and like solidified how much how awesome i find that movie and kurt in it everyone thinks that planet terror is better and i've always been like i like death proof a lot more again it's very heavy on the dialogue which is why i love like the first like maybe hour or so or 45 minutes of that movie are it's just all his signature like tarantino dialogue and it's it's so good i think it's really really underrated very underrated I think once he has like all 10 of his movies out, like to go back and like rewatch his stuff once his like entire filmography is complete will be like a really interesting thing to watch like those movies with like a fresh set of eyes and like to kind of see his progression as a filmmaker, like from like You're start totally to right. finish. It'll be really cool to watch. I think they're going to sell like some like box set 10 movie deal on Amazon for like a thousand dollars. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to leave billions. Order that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like with all the extended um, features and shit, Gaius is gonna have that front and center in his uh, I know, home, like, uh boom. physical media wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we usually uh we usually talk about box office at the end, but today is a little different because this movie just came out and did not do well at all. I, I knew I knew we were in trouble a little bit when they started throwing the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman cameo in the TV spot. Oh, so I'm like, trailer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they, they're desperate. I didn't, to see it. I didn't even know about that until now. 
And then I knew we were in further trouble when we were doing our box office predictions for Shazam. And Jackson was like, I didn't even know it was coming out this weekend. So Ooh. like that, <laughs> so that is how much awareness was out there. And for, I pay attention to shit and I did not. Yeah. For Shazam, Fury of the Gods. But yeah, it opened to $30.5 million over the weekend. It's down considerably from like the, I said 52 in our last episode. It was actually 54.3 million the first one opened to. So that is I a huge. prediction. I was like. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm <laughs> no my prediction was, I was 40. I was being conservative. I thought I was like, I even thought that was low. And I don't know what I was thinking with 44. You, you ended up to 44. Um, what went wrong here? <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. We talked about this briefly earlier, but like the marketing just wasn't there. Or it was originally, yep. and then it kind of died off after the Super Bowl. Yep. I, um, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that like being in Los Angeles, I saw a lot of marketing for it. So Fair. I don't know if they, they might have kind of sequestered their marketing to specific geographical locations. And like people in LA, don't really give a shit about dc so it's like maybe that was not really the right spot to kind of market the the movie but i think that this was like a great hbo like this was a perfect movie to watch during quarantine and like great sort of thing that you kind of sit down with your family it's a fun watch but it's not like oh my god i can't wait for this movie to come out i think that yeah. like this specific like, I like the first one because I think it's a little bit sort of gung-ho and a little bit not, they don't really take themselves too seriously. Mm. But I think they took it too far in this sense where now it's like the whole thing, everyone just thinks it's kind of a joke. And to have that many leading characters that all are kids that become adults, like there's just too many like points that are trying to get across. There's just too many characters yeah. to be like, all right, where, who's who, who's what? Like, I hear they lean into the silliness a lot in this one as well, just from reviews I've heard. And like, it's very joke heavy, comedy heavy. And I feel like that is a trope in superhero movies in general that people are kind of getting sick of. And it's a lesson I thought they'd have learned a long time ago that that's not yeah. how a good way to, you know, have your movie taken seriously if that's what you're trying to do. And I've heard that complaint a lot that it's, it's very joke heavy. It doesn't feel like there's no tension. There's a joke cutting in between every, you know, intense scene or scene where there's stakes. That could be something maybe perhaps in terms of its reviews. Because what's it sitting mm. at with a... It has a, a, a 50, I think a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. Go. The audience yeah. score is 88%. But oh. the first the, the first movie has a 94% fresh rating from critics. Okay, um, so they, like, they, like, they, like, they like that movie a lot more. It got a B plus cinema score compared to the A for the first movie. An A, the first one. Well, the first one did. Really, I was, plus I was sounds like, generous from what I've heard. I was telling Jackson that, like, you know, even though it was like it grossed on like the lower tier of like what DC was doing, it's still like uh Mark it had like a seventy-two million dollar profit for the first movie, and that's because they kept the budget pretty low. It was a hundred million dollar budget. This one's slightly bigger. I looked it up after we did recorded our last one. It's a hundred and ten million dollar budget. Yeah, they upped um, their then, CGI budget uh, for this one, then, and they and they got Helen Mirren, so they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I mentioned with Jackson too. I think announcing the will be the new ECU, while these other movies are like still like awaiting release, like you know this one. I know I mentioned that the Flash is like an outlier because I, I they say that that movie is very good. Like everyone who has seen it is saying I'm that it's like. To see it's like uh, but with something like this movie and then like Aquaman, it's like when you announce all these new plans for what the DCU is going to be, and you're not being clear about like, are we going to use these characters anymore? Is this it? 
are these movies like pointless now because you're gonna mm-hmm. start over i think that mm-hmm. makes it gives people less incentive to go see it Absolutely. i think that could be a big reason uh i mean that's a huge drop off from the first movie and uh and to their credit though every i feel so bad because i actually read rachel zegler who's in the movie she was in west side story i guess she thought she read some of the reviews like everyone on twitter is like tearing the movie apart like a lot of like not like anti DC fans, but especially fans who like Zack Snyder. Somehow he got thrown to this mess again. Where they're like, <laughs> <laughs> where they're like okay, people trashing like, Zack Snyder for Shazam too. Well, no, well, it's one of those things where they're doing that, like, oh, like you know, the reason you guys have a movie that's failing is because you like fucked up the Snyder verse and like you guys shouldn't have done this and that and like. So she wrote. Oh, so it's and, people who love Zack Snyder. Hold on, I was say, yeah, of course. Yeah. So what she wrote, which is cool, you got to defend your movie, but I'm pretty sure that she probably was the target of more like hateful comments. She said, some people out there and just being senselessly mean and it's unnecessary. And I know, I know if you can't handle the heat and all that nonsense and you're right, but our film is actually very good. It's just cool to hate on fun nowadays. That's okay. We're good. <laughs> Yo, this seems like a little kid who's like, it's good guys. I promise. Sorry, Rachel. I don't mean. Yeah. The director also said it was, I'm paraphrasing his quote, but he's like, you know, he went from having one of the highest like Rotten Tomato scores for the first movie of his career to having the lowest with this one. He has, I get he this is a guy that was directing like horror movies before he did Shazam. He did like lights out, which made a decent amount of money. That's right. Uh, That's and, then he, awesome. and then he got attached to this and he said like the last five years of my life has been Shazam. And he said that he doesn't regret making movies, but he's ready to like, take a step back and he said the reason for that is too is the toxic fandom that kind of comes up when fans are like your movie's trash or like we knew your movie was going to be trash like he was like to kind of hear that all weekend and Zachary Levi is actually defending the movie too they're they're all kind of coming out on the defense which is fine it's your movie defend it but But her quote her quote in particular is like really like it felt like a little kid that was like you know yeah everyone doesn't have to love your movie like it's it's fine I also don't think it's toxic. I mean, people probably, a lot of people, especially on social media, probably word this in a way and kind of gang up in a way that is contrived as toxic. But like, I don't think that like mass hate on a movie that is probably objectively not great is considered toxic. At least I don't think so. So it kind of seems like poor sportsmanship a, a little bit on the behalf. And I get like wanting to defend something that you put your time and effort into. But like, that's the thing with art. When you, part of the creative process you open yourself up to criticism and it's not your job to tell other people no. that your product is good because they're going to make up their minds themselves so hearing that i'm just like okay hey, whatever guys but yeah, i don't I blame agree. them for wanting to defend it though. defend their movie if you would have told yeah. me a few a few months ago that dungeons and dragons which is getting like really good early reviews like that would be getting that would be getting better feedback than shazam fury of the gods i would have like smacked you in the face <laughs> but like that's yeah, what's happening like, right now that feedback on dungeons and dragons so far is like crazy good and this is like not that's sad. wouldn't have called that because out of all the no. arch releases i was like dungeons and dragon is going to be the one that's like and i maybe not anymore it's, it's this one which is funny because they actually haven't had any marketing at all yeah so i feel <laughs> like they didn't have i think they just recently had faith in the movie where they were like they screened <laughs> it early and then they're like hey this so is like we got good. Chris pine we're good yeah and they're probably like paramount's like no throw some more money into this i know it's like out in like a week or two but like throw more money into the marketing while yeah. I was in New York briefly, I did see some some uh, some advertisements in Times Square for Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, it's probably okay. equally split out between that and Shazam, but 
but locally and like on TV, I haven't seen anything. But while I was in New York, they were giving Dungeons and Dragons some love on the screens. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. good. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I, this is probably the end of Shazam in like DC, but like, I don't see them using him in the DCU moving forward. I mean, this isn't going to make a hundred million dollars here. I mean, it's going to no. have a pretty big fall next weekend. Yeah, I'm predicting that too. Not, how embarrassing too. Like March has been like full of like all these movies who have had like franchise best openings. Like Cree Three had a franchise best opening. Scream Six, Scream Six. <laughs> had a franchise best opening. And poor Shazam is like John Wick hey, was supposed to do the same thing. John, John Wick, John Wick Chapter up. Four is like tracking to have like the biggest opening of the franchise so far. Might even go Shazam higher. Shazam had no that. excuse. Should have like, done better, man. And, and like one thing they did do that was smart is that originally it was going to come out the same weekend as Avatar: The Way of Water, and they got it out of the way of that. <laughs> I guess that was the only good thing they did. That movie's going to make that movie was going to make money consistently every weekend, no matter what. So I think that yeah. if they had put it out there, like a lot of people waited to go see Avatar, and yeah. I think it actually might have done better that weekend than this one. Might have, just it might have benefited in, from like the December like Christmas boost a bit if like yeah. in the theaters yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. blame them for not wanting to compete with Avatar though. So hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I never yeah. would have guessed this would have been the time. Like I would have thought March would have been a safe release for a superhero movie, but that turned out to be wrong. Yeah, yeah I just I feel good. bad. I mean, I I do feel bad for the actors that are trying to defend their movie. Like, yeah, you got to defend your craft and and you're you got to be proud of what you put out there. At least hopefully. But yeah. just like Jackson was saying, ideally. like, yeah, ideally. <laughs> but just just like you were saying, Jackson, like, I mean, once you start getting some comments, and it's not necessarily hate. Like, yeah, there's going to be the offhand comment where it's like, I don't like you in this. But the general consensus seems to just be most people just didn't enjoy it. And I don't think that that's, like you were saying, toxic. I just think that they put out a movie that is generally not liked. And, and that's sucks, okay. like, cause it sucks. Yeah, and that's okay. If it's like a, a piece of art, like... When Van Gogh put out something that was bad, not 50, 60 million people are looking at it. And so, like, at that point, right. like, it's not, like, consist- consistently put on blast. But for this, most people kind of know about it. They'll go on social media and they'll just be like, yeah, I agree that it wasn't good. So, yeah. that sucks. And all, this, and all the signs pointed to it going this way. They say when it entered tracking at, like, the low end, <laughs> it never budged. It never budged from that. Like, there was nothing that, like, pushed it any further up at all. It was like, they knew that it wasn't going to open well and like we mentioned it before but like it's interesting that you said the marketing here i mean i've seen tv spots and stuff for it but like deadline said that like hey they really did put marketing muscle into it because they had like that in-person trailer that they revealed at comic-con but that was back in july and then there was just Mm -hmm. like nothing and like maybe i would have been watching the wrong stuff and hadn't seen like the right like advertisements for it but like it seemed like they weren't 100 confident in the movie that they had like, as far as like really marketing it and pushing it out there, I mean, it's never a good sign when someone says, "I didn't know your movie was opening this weekend." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty brutal. Especially when he's the co-host of a movie podcast. Like, I have no idea yes. that was coming out. <laughs> nope. Caught me by surprise. Like, but, I'm gonna chalk that up to me being equally inattentive because I definitely would have seen the release date on like posters and shit, and equally bad marketing. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everyone involved in that movie, keep your head up. I'm sure you'll get another big film down the line ellen Marin's fine she's not winning this uh, at all yeah i'd like to see zachary <laughs> levi lucy lou is gonna be fine too yeah i forgot she was in that i was trying to think of who the other like big mainstream like female 
cast forgot- member was. And I was like, I remember Helen Mirren, but who's the other one? Forgot yeah, she was like, in Zachary for- Levi's probably got another Christian football movie coming here pretty soon. So, oh, yeah, I forgot. Is he already in one? Yeah, Which one? He's, he's, in the, he's in the, was the underdog. It's like underdog, um, yeah. Corner it story, out, but it's, it came out it's last year. Right? Christian, Christian front values. It's a free, oh. a faith based movie, and those tend to do right. pretty well. Your favorite, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, they just—they come out of nowhere. I'm like, I don't like how that makes so much money. I'm like, I don't even know where the Bible Belt, baby. Yes, <laughs> so. Right. All right, so one last bit of things for news. Uh, Gladiator Two is like really doing some making strides with casting. Hell I didn't yeah. care. I didn't care about this. Like, I was cool. I'm cool with like Paul Mescal being cast in it. Like, After Sun's a great movie. Jackson and I have talked about it. He just got nominated for an Oscar for it, and he's gonna be playing the lead in Gladiator Two. But I still wasn't like stoked on it because it's like. It's been so long since Gladiator came out that yeah. I didn't know if anyone was really clamoring for a sequel. But then we got Barry Barry Keegan, right? I always get this last name on Barry Keegan, uh, who yeah. was also just recently no- nominated for the Banshees of Inisherin, and Denzel Washington also in talks for this too, which will like it reunites him with Ridley Scott because they made American Gangster together. I'm excited for. I mean, both casting news was really good. I was more intrigued by the Denzel Washington one because that to me elevates this. To a different level, and now right. I'm inter- now I'm interested in uh, where this is of going. Of course, Denzel does that. <laughs> I I was excited since Paul. I was excited just to see it was getting made because, like, even though I think there's been like a bad history of like these legacy sequels after Top Gun, like I feel like this might be more in the caliber of Top Gun Maverick in that in that sort of sense as a legacy sequel. So I was kind of like interested in the beginning. Then Paul Mescal gets nominated hot off his not nominated at ah, cast hot off his nomination barry keegan was an awesome addition especially like highlighting that he was going to be the, the villain right off yeah. the get-go like perfect and then like you said then denzel like launched my excitement for that into the stratosphere really excited yeah. for gladiator 2 oh I, I I have, that. I'm not yeah oh, oh I, different I, okay I, That's- I yeah, think, like, the way he was bracing himself. Yeah, you know, gladiator, like, like fan at heart, like don't I want love, it to be touched. I love the first Gladiator. So like, do I, it's just so amazing. And so to me, it seems like it kind of seems like a little bit of a cash grab. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. But I mean, when I think of cash grabs, I typically think of something like Zoolander 2. Um, which is just kind of straight up just like we're going to make a second one everyone's going to think they're going to love it and then it kind of just goes down the toilet but this is like that movie is sort of such a standalone masterpiece that to me I can't imagine this like if they're going to make something like Gladiator 2 and that's going to be the name of it it feels like it's just going to have it's going to be a completely different movie with the same character names like i can't imagine that they have the ability to take this story so long into the future like in just in terms of times of the movies coming out and have it feel the same because it, right. it just feels like it's we're just going to go into it and top gun you're able to do it because you have 80s movies you have tom cruise you have sort of like the same pilots, fighter pilots, whatever that is, you're kind of able to mimic that in in certain in certain areas right. just because of what the movie was about. This one, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. And I'm excited that they have big names coming into it. But like to mm-hmm. me, I don't know if I'm like, yeah, I'm put, waiting for a trailer just to see yeah. what it's going to look like. I put my faith in Ridley that he's attached. He's making it like he... I don't know if he wrote the first one, but the fact that it's his project that he is helming the sequel to is like, if it was anybody else, I would be exactly in your boat, Owen. I'd be like, 
I'm not even going to pay attention to that because they're just going to yeah. bastardize the original. But the fact that it's Ridley and he's still pumping out like pretty big, like big scope, high budgeted movies, even though criminally they were underperforming at the box office. I know that they're going to hand him a massive budget for this one. I know he can do wonderful, like he can handle a big budget and a big A-list cast. So that's why I'm like as excited for it as I am. But is this a case of like what Quentin Tarantino was just talking about? I mean, how old is Ridley Scott? Like 90? Like 82. Yeah. Or yeah. Like, yeah. The last movie was what? The Last Duel? Duel and House of Gucci. The last Duel and House of Gucci. Did you see that? I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's kind of an interesting plot, but like... Not Gladiator. I, I probably no. won't watch it again. Fair enough. Fair enough. No. I understand that, yeah. Gladiator was... I, I love Ridley Scott. Do you think he's still got enough juice in him? Like I said, yeah, I, I, I double down on him. What do you think, Gaius? Okay. I mean, he's still putting stuff out there. I mean, I liked House of Gucci. Uh, we mentioned so we mentioned it earlier on the other one we recorded. Like, I liked everything about it except for Jared Leto. Jackson <laughs> actually liked Jared Leto in it. I actually liked him. <laughs> that might change, but... And back to the blockbuster, we've had some very interesting Jared Leto conversations. Jared Leto, you would think oh. that we just hate on him, like, so much earlier. Well, because we have. Because we have, yeah. Yeah. And the last time. duel, I did like. I actually did like the last duel. I don't it's know if I have the time is that what you said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. I don't know if I have like the same like affinity for it. Of course, as like Gladiator. I mean, he hasn't. I mean, that's a hard no. one. To top. Top. I guess the difference between that movie and like Top Gun, like Maverick, having a sequel that so many years later. At least Top Gun Maverick had like its original star still attached to it. Yeah. I mean, you. Can, I mean, of course, you can't have yeah. Russell Crowe, right? But like Russell He's Crowe is so three hundred like, pounds. To yeah. <laughs> there's that. There's that. There's that. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I was trying uh, not to say that. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they use some de aging CGI and try and bring him back as like a, a spiritual spiritual figure, oh, like a, a flashback. I would be on board to do that. De-aging stuff if they do it convincing. I mean, I'd like they to haven't see seen a good de-aging yet. And the one that's still five the, to ten years away. The one in the yeah. trailers for the new Indiana Jones movie looks decent. Like they de-aged Harrison Ford in certain yeah. scenes. I mean, but yeah, it, some touch-ups to do. It is still one of those things where it looks fake usually, where it's it's hard to be like. Well, yeah, I know. It's it. like in it's like in the Irishman when you have a like pretty much almost ninety year old Robert De Niro <laughs> trying to act like he's beating someone up and kicking the shit out of them. Right. And it looks like he's an old man, but his face yeah. looks like he's in his thirties. I was like, ah. You know what standout that is for me though? I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I remember being so impressed with how they how young they made Robert Downey Jr. look in is it Infinity War where he has that scene that kind of like biographic scene with his parents. Oh, that yeah, is really impressive. It depends on who's helming it, I guess. So if they're able to make it look good, I even if it's not perfect, I would give them the benefit or like the the leeway. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just need. No, some was that it? Was that in Spider Man? Because that was when he was like talking about the um. Or is it Civil War? Is it Civil War? It's it's wherever he has that like it's like memory three D thing, right? I can't remember. I thought it was Infinity War. It could have been one with Spider Man in it though. Anyway. I thought it might have been Civil War because where they introduce uh Spider Man. We'll figure right. it out. We'll get back to it. Yeah, could be besides the point though, they made them yeah, look, look really good. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So I'm in for it. Jackson's in for it. Owen needs to see a trailer first. <laughs> I get that. It's good to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was, I probably was in the same boat as Owen until I heard about the Denzel watching and stuff. Cause I was until like, until Denzel came aboard. Well, no, because like, he's like, he also is kind of picky about what he wants to do sometimes. And it's like, all right. What was like, his last uh, movie? Was it, uh, was it Macbeth? Oh, yeah. That was the tragedy of Macbeth. Which I, I think saw. Was, he, and he got nominated for an Oscar for it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think he's done anything since then. I mean, I mean, this is a guy that's also doing like the Equalizer three, so I can't say that he's always picky. <laughs> um, right. I like the Equalizer. That's <laughs> I do too, but sometimes you know, I think that's a big get. I mean, I know he's worked with Ridley Scott before. Like, I mean, we're talking about like movies that he's done. American Gangster is a great Ridley Scott movie, I think, and uh, I still, I still think he's still i think he still has it i mean i don't think he's yeah i think i think most of these guys who are older now like him scorsese spielberg i still think they have like enough creative like juice to crank out movies i was saying that about clint eastwood too i know i know the last thing he did (laughs) about the mule Mule was the mule but like i mean isn't it cry macho wow oh yeah that but yeah that one yeah actually i forgot that even came out i kind of forgot i forget i skipped right back to the mule uh yeah i forgot about cry macho but like also old and still like making a lot of stuff so i mean true 92 bro crazy that's crazy and still that's gonna hurt man when he goes and then ridley probably not long after i'm actually hoping ridley is alive to finish gladiator 2 because like seriously i'm not gonna worry about even just said that we have so many legacy directors around the same age that it's like, oh, I don't know how much like it's, it's gonna not, be a tough. The end of the movie at the Oscars is gonna be like two hours long. Yeah, that's gonna be rough. Hopefully, um, hopefully they do it justice. Last yeah. year was a little they all I, contentious. I they always forget someone. I and like someone made a good that. someone made a good point. They're like, how come there's like one intern that's like, yo, let's make sure that we include like everyone in the in memoriam segment because there's right. always someone that gets left out and then they go like, oh, well, we're sorry, who got left out this year? Well, a they left out they, a few people. They left out Paul Servino, which I don't know why they did. He's a he was a pretty big actor. I have I'm a bookmark point for after this conversation. Uh, uh, Elena, Hutch- Elena, yeah, Elena Hutchins. They left her out. That's that, crazy. Tom yeah. Sizemore, you're right. Tom Sizemore, but that one's controversial because Tom Sizemore did have a lot of problems, and he was involved in like some domestic abuse like later in his career. So I could see maybe that's why they left out. They left out Anne Hesh he didn't die right i know it's true they left out Anne hates too who also you know that's a big one too a big one even though i know there's a lot of yeah. stuff surrounding how she died but like you're not you're remembering them for the work and not because of unless they do something completely problematic i mean i know that well, yeah like, i mean I, when harvey what, weinstein dies in jail they're, probably they're not gonna they won't put him right. in yeah. and, nah. I, and i kind of question if they'll throw woody allen in one too at this point like it's a tough one but like I some of the people man. they they even left out an actress that was in Triangle of Sadness. She passed away, and that movie was That's nominated. That's another one, dude. That movie yeah. was nominated, and they left her out of it. Like so, crazy. Yeah, I don't know. So, it has to be some intern that's like, oh, oops. <laughs> like, but, maybe we should, like, double check. <laughs> that that point that I bookmarked to come back to, so I did see that they do have, like, a full-length in-memoriam version on their actual, like, the Academy Awards website. Sorry. And they shouted that out during the ceremony. I think they only wanted to, like – put as many as they could in for Lenny Kravitz's like performance so that it wasn't running on longer. So okay. there is somewhere out there a full complete version, but it's still like felt I would just say play the whole thing at the ceremony. Who cares yeah. if it's a few extra the show, minutes? The like... show's already long. It's already over at three and a half hours. Exactly. Like a, a couple extra minutes of like showcasing people who passed away that you should probably showcase won't be a mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure those people are featured in the real ver- or the full version anyway. Yeah. Um that's, That's a good opportunity though. for a segue because we just lost Lance Reddick, who is a co-star in the series that we're here to talk about. Oh, which I don't know, boys, that one did suck, man. It was such from out of nowhere. I think I think unexpected to everyone that heard it. Uh, yeah. I, when I got the email, I was like, I thought I read it wrong. Do we know? I mean, yeah. What's I, going on? I don't know. No, not yet. I mean, I tried to look on TMZ. He was only sixty. Sixty years old. And I think he was still like fresh off of doing some press for 
John Wick yeah. Chapter Four. Like a lot of people like on Instagram who were friends with him were like basically like I just saw you. Like you know, like they were like completely devastated by it. It's crazy. I think this I mean, might be another like aneurysm or something like that because it was yeah something yeah. I mean, he he wasn't like didn't look like he's ever been in poor health. So yeah, and you know this is the guy that I mean going back to like the wire and like he's been a, he's one of those people like character actors as it pops up in like so many different things that you love middle of the wire right now actually and i love him are you really <laughs> yeah i did season two almost at the end of her nice yeah but yeah everyone uh, paid tribute to him at the john wick after four la premiere i mean that has to be crazy to like you want to celebrate your movie that's coming out and a movie that's already getting a great reception like as the best review so far i think of all of them already I, 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Some even saying that it's the greatest action movie ever made. I mean, yes. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find okay. out uh, this week. Uh, but yeah, that has to be bittersweet, though. Like to sell, you're wanting to celebrate uh, this movie and then uh, you know have that attached to it. But yeah, completely unexpected. Like yeah, uh, tragedy. That sucks. Completely yeah. shocked. You guys ever seen a movie he's in with Ann Stevens called The Guest? No, oh, I love that movie. Oh, oh my it's God. so good. Awesome, dude, have I... you seen that one, Owen? I haven't. Oh, oh dude, that's a put good that one on your watch. Sure. Because, yeah, that is a good I movie. Might You're right. Dive that one. That's, it's such a good movie. Ooh, like, it, underrated. I, 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 like, doesn't get the spotlight that it deserves, man. Fucking yeah, smooth. I thought I was going to be watching some, like, trash throwaway, like, B movie and was completely blown away by how good it was. Yeah, it's so good. When I bet nice. you eat it out, man. Okay. I think yeah. I think top one. And Lance has a good, good chunk of a role in there. Yeah, nice. I think you will like it. Won't be a Mr. Brooks situation, I don't think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's lots of love in that one. All right. Uh, let's get to uh, Jackson. This is a, uh, you came up with this idea for this episode. Let's get to the nitty gritty of, uh, as we have John Wick Certainly. chapter four, like we said, opening this weekend. I feel like a good time to look back at uh, this franchise and its influence on other action movies. I didn't realize this, so you brought it up what the action movie landscape looked like before 2014 there was like a really right? a little bad scary. it was not good and then in this post kind of john wick world like a lot of other movies have tried to copy it and you know for better or worse but it's crazy that it's had this much influence something that started in 2014 not that long ago I, now 10 now, years next year that was blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. Now four movies deep, like two spinoffs on the way. One's a TV series and then the ballerina with Ana de Armas. Like mm. you would have not expected a movie that the first one only made $43 million when it came out. It would turn into a franchise that has so far grows $587 million worldwide since the release of the first one. And that doesn't even count how massive Damn. Uh, part, part four is about to be. Right. Um, but yeah really excited to get into like kind of what uh what inspired you to kind of like kind of take this yeah, direction with so. this episode so naturally yeah as you mentioned earlier we were talking about some themed episodes to hit on <clears throat> i don't know if somewhere down the line you'd mentioned that owen was a big fan of the series but that definitely solidified us you know dedicating an episode towards john wick but running through my mind when i was looking at the release date of some movies coming up that we could like select and highlight to talk about i was thinking about john wick you know fourth movie in the series at the time, in my opinion, has changed even from the first half that I just watched. I remember having like mixed reception to three, but no, no doubt, regardless of that, it was still an amazing original, like revamped sort of action trilogy, the, the likes of which we hadn't really seen in a long time. I would say probably since like the first Jason Bournes. Yeah. Tying yeah. that back into 
the action landscape before John Wick. So as you mentioned, 2014, there was that era, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, love it or hate it, of shaky cam action footage that quick cuts quick cutting you can't <laughs> tell what the fuck is going on in an action scene and although like the i think the jason Bourne series like should get the credit for like popularizing that like directing that method or editing method that utilizes it in a good way for the most part there's definitely some scenes that are choppy but jason Bourne, and, and much in the same way that john wick is was a very influential action series that many tried to mimic usually to poor effect and very much catapulted this shaky cam effect into like gun-based action movies for you know years and years to come i feel like until john wick came around and really brought things back to basics like the first john wick movie is like super basic plot there's nothing too yeah. extravagant going on there's not even really much of like a romance in it even though like his motivation is very much tied to his wife it is yeah. just john wick killing people for the majority of the movie and that's all yep. you want so yeah i think to like highlight how influential John Wick because I don't know if I could even do it justice like it as you mentioned you can just see the impact that these three movies have had in movies in the last 10 years and I think for the for better to drag us out of this shaky cam landscape yeah. that we were stuck in for so long I, I thought it breathed new life into action cinema which I'm super grateful for yeah I mean John Wick is just one of those uh, series that I could probably watch it at any time regardless of I agree. It's time that I saw it. And I mean, it's one of those things that I continue to look up certain scenes on YouTube and I'll, I'll still watch different clips here and there. I think one of the things that works for me is just the professionalism in which they did things. And I have to respect Keanu for everything that he's done. I mean, he, he really took it seriously and he took his training seriously. And the director, I don't know if, I mean, I don't really know the whole backstory behind it, but they basically were like, we're going to do this and we're going to do this right. And yeah. I think that with the all of those quick cut things, yes, this this trope of sort of a guy that can't be killed, special agent sort of thing, like James Bond sort of style, like you've seen it a million is, times. Yeah, seen right. it a million times, but, it's but. Like, we've we've never really seen why they're so feared or why they're so good at what they do. And, and Jason Bourne is just kind of like, yeah, we know he's a good fighter, but like with the quick cut hand-to-hand -hand combat, you can't really tell that he's super skilled. You just know that in the end, he wins. In this, you can see the exact, like, it kind of brings out like a little bit of like boyish, I love Call of Duty first person shooter kind of stuff, where it's like, yeah. you are looking at the way that he's loading these guns. You're seeing the precision and how he's like killing people. You see like, it looks realistic and it still is insanely impressive. And it's just one of those things where like every time I see it, Yano is a badass and he's unkillable. And it's just is so cool to see. And this this whole story of the Continental and sort of this League of Assassins, it's believable because the way that they've done things before the past, it's like, oh, he gets sent to kill like he, he topple government kind of thing like it's not just like oh he's an assassin who's gonna go kill some guy who made a bomb somewhere there's it's like no this is stakes and implications yeah, exactly right. and it just is like they have rules no killing on the continental ground like the way that they've kind of set everything up just is so enticing and and it really just makes for having a simple story that all you really need is hey this is the motivation of a character here is the end game of a character and here's right. what happened to him the carnage and, in between <laughs> and let's let's see what happened yeah carnage in between perfect way to put it yeah and like i think one of the things that's great as well is that 
the respect for John Wick that the villains give is yes. like when you when they when the bad guy in the movie they, knows that John Wick is after them, they're like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> There's some laugh out loud scenes for the the uh, like, for instance, in the first one, when main boss Vigo is asking Aurelio on like Wazama why he struck his son. And he's like, well, Vigo, the, the car he stole and the dog he killed belonged to John Wick. And Vigo's just like, oh, <laughs> and then <laughs> I, I laugh every time I see it because it is funny, but it said it's kind of like John Wick in a sense is like Vader where like everyone before you know why he's such a badass to be feared, everyone in the universe kind of gives you that impression that they are, they know he's not a man to be fucked with. And yeah. uh, they do it so good in like just the most subtle sort of ways. And then you come to find out why he has his reputation. Yeah. And I think that's a great approach to take with that character. Yeah. I'm glad you guys pointed exactly. out the simplicity of the story because it is a very simple story, but they've managed to, like, I know we've kind of harped on like universe building sometimes, but they've been able to like expand this world in a very interesting way that doesn't feel I like them for that. that doesn't feel forced like every it doesn't feel like, forced at all which i'm yeah so happy about yeah i am too like every entry like every so far like with two and three like i felt necessary and then everything that happens in it feels necessary and like you know i talked about cash grabs i don't necessarily think that this was one like the first no. movie decent business in theaters but it became a bigger hit like you know when it came to like home viewing and stuff like right i I don't really think this was really based on like oh let's just kind of milk this for all the money it's worth i think they were genuinely like this is a very interesting story let's keep it going and i think that's why each one has worked and i also want to point out too that you oh and you said that you know they said they want to do this legit they want to do i i think what helps is that chad stalski and david leach are both former stuntmen right and, yeah and i think huge, that is why impact. that the way they chose and the, especially the first, I mean, in all of them, but like they were directing together for that first movie and they wanted to have like all the action scenes look legitimate. And I think that comes from their like stunt work background. And they were really big about having like wide angles. They wanted you to see Keanu Reeves doing as much as he was physically able to do. They said yeah. that they were like, they said it's interesting because even though they started their career as stuntmen, they were like, we wanted. We didn't want to use his stuntman as much as we could because we wanted to like show yeah, that he could actually isn't that ironic? That could, yeah, that he could actually do this. And I think that Keanu Reeves has always been kind of dedicated to that kind of stuff. Like this is mm -hmm. also the first time that Keanu Reeves has been a part of the franchise that has influenced action movies. Like if you yeah. go back to like The Matrix, like that the Matrix was like a we kind of so made that more they made the wire work thing popular like that was in like that appeared in like so many movies after the matrix and not done nearly as well bullet not done time. nearly as well yeah. bullet, bullet time like all that stuff so like he's always kind of been on the forefront of like like we always give a lot of credit to tom cruise as you, we should because he is a showman but like killer reason his own right especially when it comes to these franchises is as well you yeah. can tell how much he cares about uh, I mean, there's a fun video of him and Halle Berry doing their weapons training for the third yeah, movie. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and it's, it's just watching that scene with them, man. They are both, oh, like, like, in training, they are both, like, beasts. Like, you could tell they're like, all right, we want this to yeah. look as good as it possibly. And I, I mean, I love, I've talked about that scene so much from the third movie. Like, it was, like, three in my brain because it's just so fucking Him cool. and Halle Berry, <laughs> Tara yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, Casablanca. I just yeah. was watching and I was, like, amazed. And I hadn't seen it since theaters. I was like... God damn, this is choreographed and filmed and like let's throw a dog for good measure. Like what? <laughs> well, I, I think a huge incredible. 
I think a huge like factor in it is that it's rated R, and yeah. like there, there's so like Jason Bourne, Bourne series PG thirteen. There's not as many things you can show. Like yes, there's some gruesome parts, but in terms of a guy with a shotgun getting blown away in the chest, like you can't show that in a PG thirteen movie, and it's important in this movie. The- yeah, and like it also is fucking sick. Like the violence just, is it's so cool. hard hitting in three, man. Yeah, like, I was yeah. even more so than one and two. Like, don't know or the first two they must have been rated R. I should have. Yeah, it. this the second one yeah. has I think he kills like a hundred and thirty five people or something in in that movie. Like there's <laughs> there's like the kill count between the first two. Yeah, yeah, there's kill counts on. Like on the internet, where you can see his accuracy percentage, what weapons that he's used to kill things. It's actually really, really <laughs> cool, and it shows just his mastery. But I also think they've kept the story simple by keeping the characters simple. Like they've only brought back a handful of characters in each one. Like in in terms of universe building, that's super important. Like you got mm-hmm. the head of the Continental, you got Lance Riddick, you got Keanu Reeves, and besides that, like you added Halle Berry, yeah. but all the other characters. <laughs> yeah, they, I love yeah. him. Even though we don't see much of him, he's a small detail, but yeah, no, he's he goes a long too. way. Yeah, but like also the villains they add, they introduce and then they kill off, and that's important. I think is like sometimes you could add like a an overlying Thanos character where it's like this is the head yeah. of the syndicate mm-hmm. or something like that, which just kind of molds down the importance of the character that they're fighting now. So I think that that was that was a great way to progress the story along, and then obviously you have all the the goons that come along that just get mm-hmm. annihilated. Cannon fodder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing that I do think really benefits, like how the John Wick movies get better with each sequel. If if you're on that opinion, I, even if they're not better, they're probably just as good as the last one is. Although they do start off simplistic, they do the creators do a great job of slowly integrating more and more complex themes and stuff into the movies and slowly adding more characters here, more characters there, more rules to the Assassin's Guild and the Continental, not in a way that feels like arbitrary and randomly thrown in there, but just stuff that we wouldn't have had a glimpse of in the last movie that now makes sense to go explore in the sequel. And I think they've done a great job at managing that instead of throwing all the rules and all the nuances of that universe into the first movie instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, slowly incrementally showing us more, which I'm excited to see what, how the fourth one expands. Yeah, no, 100%. I, mean, yeah. I, th- I think two for me is just the best one. I, yeah, I, I agree. Think, Two's my it, favorite. Two is just, it's so good. The whole scene in, I guess it's Rome, when the catacombs and yeah. just like. Let's watch that today. Well, I also, I love yeah. the scene. My favorite scene probably in the entire th- series is when he's choosing his weapons, like basically setting himself up for that. And he goes to the sommelier. Yeah. Thinking like, he's like, I need something bold. Like, right. like, and just kind of talking about it in terms of food and wine. Right. Um, and I just love that scene because the dialogue is so simple, but it shows you everything that you need to know. <laughs> and like, I don't know, the preparation's so good. Common, not my favorite actor, but does a great job in that movie. I think yeah. this is a great addition to that movie, though. You know, yeah. considered a professional courtesy. The, like, the, the only scene that's, that doesn't, the only scene that's a little bit ridiculous is when they're shooting at each other in that crowded. Like he won rave. Common's like, oh, oh, yeah, and no one says anything when there's like thirty bullets being fired. That's ridiculous. But besides that, it's glad you bring that up because that's a point. I meant to say there's two things that I think make this series work as well as it does, and the other thing is that it doesn't. It is ridiculous, like you just said, but movies aren't taking themselves too seriously. They border that line of 
being intense and being taken seriously with ridiculous action drama that would never fly in the real world. And I think they ride that line really good. Like for instance, that scene you just described, just the sheer amount of people John Wick kills, the amount of damage he can take and still keep going. Like it is obviously well beyond anyone's limit. <laughs> Human like, capacity. Exactly. But it just it makes sense because it's John Wick. And I think the creators, the directors that get that the audience yeah. is in on that and it wouldn't work if it if that line wasn't written as so well as it was yeah very true yeah, yeah it's crazy too to think that like this franchise like almost didn't happen too like it took a while for them to find like theatrical distribution for the first movie uh you know reads hadn't been in a hadn't been in a hit in a while i kind of forgot so i'll be honest on here yeah. I, I didn't see this movie in theaters the first one because i thought it looked at first and i can be happily say that i was wrong it looked like a throwaway like almost direct to video kind of action movie that happened i don't blame get, like, you for thinking that the actual release so i was like i'm not seeing this it wasn't until honestly the second movie opened and like opened so much higher than the first one i was like oh like i guess like people were really paying attention what's to this the deal movie. yeah and what's going on so then i that's when i went back and saw it and i was like Oh, okay. This is Holy shit. actually actually legit, and I wish I would have given it a chance and saw it in theaters. Uh, yeah, they did not want to give. Uh, they it was two first time directors. They were like, you know, you guys are former stuntmen. We don't want to put that much money into a project like this. Keanu Reeves hasn't had a hit in a while. Uh, but fine. Any idea? Uh, I'm not sure. I just get the one that eventually picked it up, uh, and I'm trying to see like what was Keanu Reeves doing before 2014. Uh, he really hadn't done anything in a bit it's a great point i uh, can't think of anything past the concert movie oh God. Oh. <laughs> is that 90s or 2000s i have I think came out of 2000s uh, so let's okay. see. i gotta i gotta scroll a little bit further back like when's the matrix 3 like 2005 2006 so before oh god this is really bad he was in a movie called Extreme Pursuit that went straight to video. He's in 47 Ronin. I've never seen it, but it oh, flopped. Oh, right. uh, That one's, that's a, that's a slow burn. Honestly, oh, okay. from, and then he was in, he actually had like a break. So there, in 2008, he did The Day the Earth Stood Still. That was one of his last like big studio movies in 2008. He's in that? Yeah, a remake. Wow. And then he did Street Kings in 2008. Uh, so he hadn't had a huge hit. It's funny that you mentioned Constantine, but Constantine's probably the last one that did make a decent amount of money. Yeah. That was it. That was in 2005. And, oh, okay. uh, that, and that was only two years after the Matrix Revolutions. That, the last Matrix movie before the one they released recently was in 2003. So, like, he hadn't Damn, been in like, a big hit in, like, a really long time. But, like, what almost everyone has said... Almost a decade. And what everyone has said, though, is that this character, this movie, this role, uh, it plays to his strengths. I know there is a lot of people that say that he's not a good actor or that I, I, I lean on the side of like, he at least charismatic enough to carry a movie where I can yeah. like, actually believe him in like, uh, in certain roles. And I actually think he can be a really good actor. I, there's a movie called the gift that I got told Owen about, uh, I came out in like 2000 or somewhere around then, uh, Kate Blanchett. And he plays like an abusive, like alcoholic redneck and it's a scary performance. Like he's like truly good. So he is capable of like, you know, moding. <laughs> I think there's certain things that he like is really good at. And this is what he's good at. And I think he's leaned into that a lot with this franchise. And I think it's just enough where it works, where, you know, he, he doesn't have to give us like an Oscar winning monologue in this movies, but he needs to be able to just sell it by, you know, the look I mean, and how he carries himself. That he, if you got the <laughs> total amount of lines he has, it's probably like a page and a half. The Across the yeah. <laughs> great point. Not John heavy. Man, a few words. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah i the there's something you guys point out is a, what a lot of critics pointed out about the especially the first movie that they love the film's mythology of a criminal underworld with specific rituals and rules and that was praised by most uh, critics for being yeah. unique makes it original about the movie the idea of the homelessness too and how uh, like fishburn just like rolls that whole thing and like that that scene in John Wick two when the homeless guy shoots those two people that are after him because he yeah. makes him to uh, yeah. like save him. That so. whole concept is so cool to me because I've never. I mean, actually, now like, there's a lot of homeless around here. So right, <laughs> but like when I after I saw that movie, my perception just completely changed. I was like, Is, is this, this guy working? Fine. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's going on here? It shows how like far reaching the the table and the and the the. Uh, continental really are right they're in every yeah. facet of society which again like but the end of number two when everyone in in is it uh central park when winston kind of yeah. like gives this little nod and everyone in central park stops walking like yeah. on cue and then they continue when he nods again it's like shows you like everyone is really in on this world which is a kind of ridiculous but kind of funny at the same time it has a good moment but at that scene specifically too i was like really yeah <laughs> i know right <laughs> Did you um, like the first one in theaters? I, can't I saw the second to the first one in theaters, but second and okay, third so we're in the same boat. I saw second and third in theaters as well. It might have. I have all my movie stubs, so I have to go check. But I was sixteen when it came out. I don't know if I would have like really kept my eye on it or cared at that time. But I yeah. don't have memories of seeing it. But I know I saw the last two. Uh, I really, I really felt like I was missing out on the movement when that second movie came out. I was like, "Where the hell did this come from?" Had to catch up quick. So much more money than the first one. I was like, "How did that happen?" Uh, I had to be a part of it, but it was. I mean, the. I mean, I kind of wish I saw the first one in theaters, but those oh, big time. sequel, those sequels in theaters were actually really good. I mean, I go back and forth, man, about which one is my favorite. I, I'm saying two right now, but right. I feel like I fluctuates. Uh, but there were some great moments in like all those in the theater, like on opening night, like let's go see especially the third one. I mean, I think because at this point with the third movie, like you're fully immersed in like what this oh, yeah. world is. And uh, that was just a fun, like crowd pleasing movie uh, to see with like a big crowd. It was like a really fun experience. I like, can't wait to see four of the big crowd, man. I, yeah. I hope four takes it back to sort of the first one. Cause Two and three are kind of his, like, he's running away, and, like, people are after him. Whereas mm -hmm. the first one is, like, he's on a rampage. And he's, he's on like, the attack. Yeah, he's on the attack. So I hope that in four, he kind of has a little bit more of, like, I'm gung-ho and I'm going after it. So right. hopefully we get a little bit of that, because two and three is more of a reactive, trying to trying to stay good, hidden a little bit. But um, Time to switch it up. Two is still my favorite, so hopefully we see some offense here in uh, John Wick 4. Yeah. I want to. Oh yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll save my point. So, I, I was, I, there's like these in search of documentaries that they made about like sci-fi movies and then horror movies. They did one on action films too, and they actually talk about uh, Keanu Reeves and John Wick briefly. And you know, a lot of action stars in the '80s, you know, and '90s, you know, early '90s, were legit action stars. They were talking about how like you know these were people that necessarily didn't have the best acting chops, but you were hiring them because of you know their physical ability like, so yeah. like someone like they mentioned john call van damme a lot who was you know really you know big in the 80s and like an actual you know could actually fight and they didn't have to like cut around him to like make it look legit and they were saying like with so many actors who eventually become action stars who are like real actors uh, 
they felt like, you know, it sucks that they're taking roles kind of away from us because, you know, not getting the real deal. But what they did mention, though, is that they feel like Keanu Reeves, uh, it's they mentioned the Matrix, but they were more so with these movies said that this guy is the real deal because he, he find out that he trained for like four months before he did the first movie and all these different nice. like styles of fighting and like gunplay and like all this stuff like he they were like that is someone who is an actor that is legit about wanting to learn about the process of really making like only method action. acting that i will take only method acting yeah, that yeah. I'm, I'm on board for. Not a, is that right eh? <laughs> definitely yeah I'm, I'm not a fan of method acting either but this was this is I mean, like earlier to not have to cut around him too much to actually kind of see him doing a lot of the fight choreography and handling the weapons and like knowing that they're not cutting away from him to like because you know they're throwing in like a, a stuntman or something like that or trying yeah. to hide the fact that he's not really doing this stuff uh i mean that's a big thing that this franchise has done as far as well, and props to those coordinators, too, because when I saw Halle Berry cast, I was like, all right, is she really going to give off the same vibe? She kills it. She, she looks, kills it. She looks like she knows what the hell she's doing, and because she does, like, and she's, like, you don't have to cut around her either, so yeah. respect to all the people that trained them, because that is not easy, and it takes a lot of work to get that perfect, and, like, the choreography, even the stuntmen who are playing the guys getting killed, like, that's not easy either, and I think that's that right. that's the dogs exactly taking them down. That's an art form. Like, yeah. Dogs. How did they? How did they film that, man? I don't know. So that yeah, is. Know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> impressive to say the least. But that is the thing. That is what I want. If anything's going to be taken away from the John Wick series, it is like the craft that they do put into the stunts and like the work that they have the actors actually do. That I would like to see, and I'm sure has been like I'm sure other movies and productions have taken a out of John Wick's book by doing that. I just don't have any examples off the top of my head, but can see the literal difference in an action movie that like Gaius, like you said, cuts away from its actor to have the stuntman do the the gun work or this or that. And uh, this is a movie like John Wick that has the cast all on board doing their own stunts, doing their gunplay, handling their weapons. It's a night and day difference. So I think uh, there's a lot of filmmakers out there that could uh, learn from that and have their, you know, their actors commit a little bit more to their, to their work. Not saying that it's easy, but you get a better, you better better quality movie out of it for sure. Well, I, I think it inspired things like Deadpool, like to have the action that Deadpool had, twenty sixteen. Who David like, Leach did right? Is he yeah, did? he did. He did the yeah. He right. was a part of that. Yeah. So you can tell. Like I think like it's having like, having like we mentioned it before, but having like people who actually have done stunts and know how to like how that works. Uh, first of all, kudos to his, kudos to his studio for giving them like you know, the opportunity to direct something. Cause like, like we said earlier that, you know, people were unsure about kind of financing it. Cause they're like, well, these are first time directors. We don't know what they can do, but you kind of find when like one person is like when you're good in one kind of medium of the industry, uh, you kind of take that knowledge and apply it to like other aspects of it. So like having years and years and years of being a stuntman or stuntman in their cases, like you're able to, I mean, you can learn all the technical stuff about filmmaking, and I'm not saying that's easy, but like you have this other ace of the hole where it's like, all right, I can like, they were talking about how they would invite cameramen into rehearsals for the fight scenes. Cause usually they said cameramen like think it's kind of meticulous and boring to like shoot fight scenes sometimes, but they were like, no, we want you all to kind of be there to see like how this is going from start to finish. And I think that's why the end result looks as good as it does because there yeah. is like, it's like well choreographed dance basically between like the filmmakers and like camera crew and then the actors as well and then you know it starts at the top you have someone like keanu reeves being like all right i'm doing this myself 
and whoever else is joining in on this fun world we're creating, I hope they can also keep up and mm. uh, get involved in this just as much as I am. So like, I think- Well, it's the it, long shot. It's it's the long uncut like version of that. I mean, the first one that comes to mind too is that opening scene in The Revenant when it's yeah. like, that's that long sort of violent scene that, that you rave, but yeah. yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio and it's done insanely well instead yeah. of like a oh here's one here's one scene here's one scene behind the tree like it's not not cut to shit which is mm-hmm. like makes it so much more like interactive and immersive that's true I didn't, you know I didn't realize I guess like the we were talking about the board movies I guess they are because they're so well done or at least most of them I kind of right. forgot that they are a lot of quick cut uh, kind of action scenes in that movie. I can't one watch it if I'm feeling sick. If I'm feeling like it's nauseous, like, I remember. Like and I'm like I feel like I'm about to I'm a little nauseous. Yeah, and I think it's when Paul Greengrass takes over the franchise after the first one that it really turns into like very quick cut, fast pace. But I didn't More pay attention so. to that because like it still looks good in those movies. Like I think yeah, as a director, he sells it. But like so many people were trying to copy that and. And just it, not good. not doing yeah not at all. And all the, all the flashbacks the too are like on an angle. Like it's not like it's not like just a, a straight shot. The flashbacks are him sort of like this, right, and, right, like safe room. I'm like oh, and super grainy and that. Like those yeah. movies do it well, but trying to copy that has been it wasn't overkill at the time. Those movies were coming out, right? That's what we've seen it a million times, and it's like holy shit. Yeah, try something much. else. So it's yeah, John Wick was very innovative in that sense, which I can't thank it for enough because holy shit, did the climate need to change at that point in action cinema? Well, he's yeah, become, yeah. he's become also sort of like a meme, like the Kanatons, I mean, man. Yeah, he's become like part of popular culture as like John Wick. I mean, even in the sense of he was the he became like a skin in Fortnite and like all these different things where it's like <laughs> that's right I it's, forgot and that. everyone if you were the best you had the john wick one and it's like right i think that creating that sort of canon and having that across the just skyrocketed this thing to uh, norm of of what action movie should be totally i got a question actually that i wanted to uh throw at both of you it's harkening back to something gaius was talking about earlier but in terms of like keanu and his uh, people view him as an action star do you guys think that he is underrated in how people look at him as an action star do you think he's evenly rated in terms of how people look at him or do you think he's overrated in his ability to lead an action franchise because i have a a very specific thought on this that i was talking with my buddy cam with and i wanted to hear hear what you guys have to think about that do you want to take that first (laughs) um yeah i mean (laughs) Yeah, that's that's tough because he's been part of such successful franchises that I mean, no matter how you look at the Matrix or how you look at John Wick, like it's successful. And I think that his his normal day, like the way that Keanu just is as a person, is so well loved that I don't think he's overrated at all because people love him in in everything most that he's likable guy in Hollywood. Most likable guy. Right. Right. So <laughs> I, I think that I think that in like his action stuff. Right. Is, is is just like like point break even. Like that, that is, is something yeah, like that is something that break. like he does great in. And so he, I think that he's his his dialogue isn't necessarily his strongest suit, I would say. FBI but, agent. But he has <laughs> he has the ability to he has the ability to if John if um I almost said if John Wick, if Keanu Reeves <laughs> is is cast in is John Wick. 
in an action movie, then you know you're going to get some good stuff because you know he's going to take it seriously and you know he's going to kill it. So I think right. that he's, I think maybe maybe a little underrated or maybe just perfectly rated. I think I think he does a good okay. job and, and he has the ability to to carry it. I think he's underrated in the sense that I don't think people give him as much credit as they probably should. And it's not just this franchise. Like you, like you mentioned Point Break, that is an influential action movie. Speed is an influential action movie. You know, The Matrix has a very influential action movie. And then you get to this. Like, I don't think he gets enough credit for appearing in these kind of movies uh, nearly as much as he said. Like, when he got, when he started doing the first one, he was 49 years old when he did John Wick. I mean, like, he's not a spring chicken by any means, like, doing these movies. But he is, like, still giving it 110 percent and selling it completely so like i think he's underrated in the sense like i brought up tom cruise earlier i mean i think keanu reeves is a showman in his own way where he he wants the audience to be entertained he wants them to have like a realistic experience no he's not jumping out of an airplane or doing something as crazy as like tom cruise but still he's a trendsetter yeah still just as physical though still i mean it's banding on your right. the body and then like you know like i didn't really think about it till you mentioned like his other action movies that were just so kind of influential for the genre like mm-hmm. in general i mean he's been a part of those kind of movements on more than one occasion and a lot of people can't say that so, so that's the point that i wanted to get at is like among these two massive franchises now with four entries apiece and then like some smaller singular one-off action movies he's done from earlier in his career i don't think that he i think he's criminally underrated and his ability to lead or command an action movie. Like, I don't feel like the casual audience or even like the industries in general, like really looks to Keanu Reeves when they're thinking of like the action greats. And this is like back to the point that I was mm. having with my buddy. And I think he's more than deserved that by now. So I just wanted to see if you guys agreed with that, which seems like that's the case. Yeah. I, yeah. I, no, I, he, he should definitely be up there on the mountain. I know now, much more of uh, <laughs> contemporary action. Yeah. Yeah, I think what happens too, though, I mean, like the Matrix is influential, right? But then once you start talking about the sequels, then it's like, oh, like oh, they're not as well received as like that first right. movie. But they're still insanely successful. They're successful. They're still, yeah, successful. And influential. And then if you go back to like Point Break and Speed, it's like, oh, that was so long ago. I think like people make excuses as to like why you can't really, you know, give the guys due. But like, I think what he did with like the John Wick franchise is like to further prove that, you know, I would go to him over a lot of people to headline an action movie. Oh yeah. I think the totally. I think the one problem I don't think it's happened yet, but like we run into is that like if he does other action movies, how do you set it apart from like what this, this. is? Like when he when he's a lead in another action movie, it's like all right, he has to be completely different from John Wick. And the problem that you run into with Keanu Reeves as an actor is that like you know, he kind of has Wick. like he's John Wick. Yeah, I mean he has a, a sameness to some of he, uh, he's sort of, not one dimensional, but like in that playing field. Yeah. Kind of. So right. I think it becomes harder when you think about like, oh, can he headline other? I think he can, but are they gonna like? Are they gonna be like, well, this is basically like you know, a John Wick like two kind of thing? Yeah, right? that's an interesting point. Uh, so yeah, I. Oh, but again, I still think. I would 100% support a Keanu Reeves action movie uh, at, at the theater. And like, I think, I think out of all of his contemporaries, he's probably one of the best to do it. Uh, and he's made a lot of money for a lot of, a lot of franchise, a lot of studios. How much do you think and, uh, this one's going to make? Yeah. And honestly, insanely smart guy who has like taken 
he took a pay cut when he did the matrix and took a piece of the box office because he had faith ah. in that movie it was gonna make some honey and john he got paid handsomely for it and i think in this situation Genius. where he, he had john wick and i don't even think he realized that it was gonna be what it is and you know it did kind of start this whole like new like renaissance with him as in, like people were like oh he's in stuff that makes money again like everyone loves him i don't even know why we let him fall off we shouldn't let that happen again <laughs> like no no it's not like Torontonian. Yep. What is he really? Yeah. Did not know that. He oh, was. Nice. I'm looking it up. He was. Uh, knew he was Canadian only because of a song. Shouted that out. Saw a song called "Stronger Beer" by Tim Hicks. Um, and uh, it's contrasting American and, and Canadians. And uh, there's a part where it's like, "You guys have Brad Pitt. We have Keanu Reeves." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't know he was Canadian." <laughs> but I've seen here, according to IMDb, he was actually born in Lebanon in Beirut. But uh, yeah, moved to Toronto Jesus. when he was younger. Yeah, nice. it's crazy. I wish that he has like an interesting backstory because I feel like you don't really know a lot about yeah. Keanu Reeves. Like he's serious like, dude. Yeah, he like and I, if like, he was British, he would have been knighted like two, like <laughs> twenty years ago. I think so too. Actually, You're so right, he would have been Sir Keanu Reeves in a heartbeat. Oh, it does not have a ring to it. Sir Keanu Reeves. If only we can make that happen. <laughs> you guys know the thing about his name and Hawaiian and all that. No. Oh no! Which I I'm not taking credit for this. I'm just reading it right now. But it says like the opening line in his biography in Keanu or in uh, IMDb is Keanu Charles Reeves, whose first name means "cool breeze over the mountains" in Hawaiian. Like, nice. How sick is that? Perfect for him. That's perfect. That is perfect. He has a cool breeze over the mountains. Yeah, that's Keanu man. That is, yeah, that's hilarious. All right. Uh, so I mean, do you think? movies are still going to continue to like this is the stand new standard now right like i don't know what else yeah, you can kind of do uh i don't think mm. anyone will tolerate kind of regressing back to like quick cuts and not having legit, not. Action, like, legit action scenes uh, i mean i think it's cool that this franchise can lead that kind of lead that way a bit uh, now i mean i'm sure i mean i'm sure every studio is still i mean ever since the first one became like a decent size hit and then the second one proved that like this isn't going anywhere that Every mm. CEO is trying to find their, like, well, what's our John Wick? And it's a Lionsgate's credit. They were like, you know, we're going to, like, keep this going as a franchise. We're going to spin it off. I openly complain about that sometimes. But, like, I feel like so far this hasn't been bad. Like, like I'm, nope. all for, I'm all for the TV show, The Continental, that they're doing. I think the ballerina thing is interesting. I think Anna DeArm is leading that is really good. Awesome. Casting That's a good choice. choice. And... Uh, and Keanu Reeves is going to be making a cameo in that to kind of like connect all all that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did hear him say him and the director of this last one they were like you know because remember at one point John Wick Chapter Four and Five were supposed to be filmed back to back and then a lot of stuff with oh. COVID happened and then now they're like they said they're going to like want to rest on Four and see how it does and then kind of take that's a, a good nap, idea and then kind of take a nap on it and then see what they can kind of do next. Don't take it too long because like you can still do it. But, you know, he's getting up there. He's not getting younger. <laughs> he's not getting no, younger. 58. That's crazy. Uh, I think yeah, it's a good but, idea that they're not uh, going to jam out a bunch of stuff right away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Lionsgate is like this yeah. 93% fresh rating and like we're about to have the biggest opening of That's the franchise so far. I'm sure the studio is like, are you sure you want to talk about this sooner? <laughs> like, you really want to wait? Uh, but yeah, right. now that we're uh, that we're at Chapter 4, um, it entered box office tracking... Uh, it's anywhere between sixty-five and seventy million dollars for its opening weekend. Uh, could Damn, go, it could go higher? Yeah, it could go higher than that. So. And like, and I think the only caveat here is it's almost three hours long. But I guess that hasn't stopped. Oh, uh, fuck. I mean, I mean, Avatar made a lot of money. Oh, yes. that, so yeah, uh, 
He's all ready for it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm just thinking like I heard the box office potential, but maybe not. It might not have an impact at all. To give you guys a little framework, uh, we said the first movie opened to fourteen point four million dollars. That's crazy. Uh, and on a twenty million dollar budget, made forty three million dollars domestic and eighty six million dollars worldwide. On uh, Wick Chapter Two. Uh, open to $30.4 million, made $92 million domestic, and $174.3 million worldwide. Dude, that and third then, must have raked. And then John Wick Chapter 3, $56.8 million opening weekend on a $75 million budget, made $171 million domestic, and $328.3 million worldwide. This is, like one of the few, this is one of the few franchises that has grown box office-wise. That's... Uh, usually you see a downturn um but jackson and i have been like so off and on with our box office predictions sometimes we've been really good and sometimes we've been like so off way off <laughs> way right. uh jackson i'll go to you first what do you he's like no <laughs> i had no i'm because i'm like writing down my number and i have my first digit and i was like just kind of bouncing on my second um you said this the third one opened to 63 uh, oh, uh, 56.8 56. 56. million, yeah. 56? Oh, okay. 0.8 million, yeah. I was like, I had 75 in my head because I wanted to be on the ambitious side of tracking. But, like, yeah. that's been a problem with some of my early predictions where I've been too conservative and Generous. then it's over. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think I might take it down to – I still – I want to go in the 70s, so I'm going to put it at a 71, which is ambitious, okay. but uh, I think the hype's there. Okay. Yeah, right, 71 mil. Good luck. Oh man, I got some high hopes. Seventy-seven. Okay, I like it. Uh, okay, mine are a little higher than yours. Oh, I'm basing this on like the reviews are so good right now, and like they were good like two weeks ago, like True. before the movie even opened. And yeah, it's a nine point two audience score on IMDb. Right. Right like ridiculous. Uh, I'm going slightly above you. I'm saying eighty. Okay. Eighty million dollar opening okay. weekend. Uh, I, like I don't have as much faith in it, <laughs> but I do. No, the first of box office predictions is the worst because then once everyone else puts theirs out, you're like, shit, I should have changed mine. Yeah, damn. I know when you start reading other people's, you're like, oh, that's yeah. much better what than you, mine. <laughs> what were you, you just in the middle of saying? I, 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 I mean, I always struggle with going too high, but I really think that like the word of mouth is there, and I think like the review's not just being like good, but like declaring it as one of the best action movies ever made. I mean, that's a bold statement. I think people are going to want to rush out to see it. Like I said, the only thing that could be an issue is the runtime. I mean, you can't really get that many showings in a day when the movie is that long, but I, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure like it's going to take over most of like, you know, it's definitely going to take away like Shazam screen. So I guess <laughs> Shazam's going <laughs> to this weekend. Uh, poor Zachary Levi. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I feel good about Edie. I think it can get that high. I like like you guys are at too. I thought I was going on the higher end, but clearly not. <laughs> That's fine. I think I think it'll no doubt do well. And what would you say that it's a rocket for a budget? Thirty-five. Let me I think. So it's like the highest one so far. Big time. They've been they've been able to keep these budgets relatively low on these movies though. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and I think that has a lot to do with like being more practical and like less uh, use of effects and all that stuff. Can't believe we're on a fourth movie like this and it's getting the reception that it's getting like already like that is nice to see honestly that's change 
I remember when I saw the Impossibles. When I saw the runtime, I sent that to Owen, and I was just like, "That is a lot of movie," <laughs> and I was like, "It better be really good because that's a lot of movie." Yeah, because I, I was like, "They're not even going to try to cut it down." I'm like, "All right, no, two hours and fifty-five minutes, cool." Forty uh, minutes then, longer than John Wick's yeah. movie. But I think it will be consistently good. From what I've seen from people who have seen it already, they've said that like doesn't really let up, which is a good oh, sign. Right. No. I'm looking forward to that. I usually yeah, go see I can't like wait. I can't wait. I, we gotta see that this weekend, man. Uh, I usually go to Thursday shows with my brother, and I was like, "Hey, I can't go to that one because I won't be able to go to like nine, and I'm not going to like a three-hour movie." I'm like, not late. getting to, so, not going to bed at one in the morning for morning. So like a solid, solid during the day, Saturday or Sunday, all about it. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I can't wait, and I'll I'll make up for skipping Shazam. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try to get it in this weekend too, so we can chat about it further but yeah i'm excited but yeah, any final thoughts on your first episode together guys oh dude this just was great fun man this yeah. was awesome i could talk about john wick or just even stuff like Anything, this all day. it's great all night. I mean, yeah this i mean great. yeah this is fun and i'm glad to see that like our chemistry uh, my chemistry jackson is good and uh as never really talked to each other until this and it, <laughs> it, right. it team and it seemed like uh you guys had i mean I, that's the biggest thing i could the best compliment I've gotten about the show with Jackson is that people were like, it seems like you guys like were actually friends or knew each other beforehand. And it wasn't just someone you were just like, Hey, you comment on G reels. Do you want to be on our show? It's funny how it actually happened though. Yeah. Uh, I, what a good, good uh, universe worked out. I like really liked like how we all got together and I'm very I happy that we're now. all we're all a part of the same team as well. And that feels really good. So you guys go back to the blockbuster. That's the power of the movies, man. Do those things, bring people together. I love it. All right. So I had a blast boys. Usually it's Jackson that does our outro, but, uh, (laughs) guys, thank you for listening to back to the blockbuster, uh, Jackson Gaius and special appearance by myself. Uh, Just keep listening guys. I mean, this is what we love to do. We love to talk about movies. We look forward to this every single week to bring you guys new content and uh, chit chat about what we think is going on in uh, uh, topics, movie news, entertainment. Uh, just one of the things that we love to do and we love to bring it to you. Uh, you can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Personally, myself, Spotify, go to. Hey, me too. Uh, yeah, Jackson, hop on board the train. And uh, I, I know Apple Podcasts is kind of one of those things that people like to do, but I think Yahoo might have a podcast channel now. Who knows? Tune in on yeah. Yahoo. And uh, Amazon yeah, just keep too, listening. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon does too, yeah. They all got them. Yeah. Got uh, shout out to Playlist, as always. They have been just a great contributor to, uh, for us to uh, continue to make creative content and uh, give us a lot of freedom. Uh, and it is just one of the biggest... And most beneficial partnerships that we've had. Uh, it's just been a great, great time with them. So always huge shout out to Playlist. Uh, tuning in. Gaius and I record our spinoff. Back to the Blockbuster presents Deep Dives with Owen Gaius tomorrow. So yeah. it is finally my pick. And you'll be able to, get, uh, to, to listen to, to that on Friday, I believe it is. So yeah. keep tuning in, guys. And we will see you on Friday and next week. Peace. All right, guys. Pleasure, boys.